Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. What's up, guys? And Jason. Hey, everyone. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Get all my goofies out. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good to, good to do that first. Yeah. Yeah. I saved some for the show. Of course. How are you doing, Dustin? Um, I'm here. Yeah? Yeah. Long week. You sound so excited to be here. <laughs> Stuck with you fucking guys. So. <laughs> cool. Uh, we're continuing our odyssey into made-for-TV movies. That's right. Mm-hmm. We started off with Duel in the 70s, and now, Jason, you have advanced us into the 80s. As I often do. Are you going to go into the 90s? Maybe. Perhaps. Ooh. We'll see. Um, and also with HBO, which is cool. We need to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but first, like always, we're going to warm up and talk about what we've been watching and I actually don't have a podcast shout out this time. It's been crazy at my work. I haven't had time to get in that podcast listening. But we are part of the Prescribed Film Podcast Network, and we're super excited about it. Thank you. Um, I link it. It's in every episode. You can easily go find it. There's all kinds of shows on there, hundreds of hours of content that you can just fill your ear holes with. Lots of horror podcasts, all kinds of other interests. Do you like toy collecting? Do you like paranormal stuff? Do you like true crime? It's all on there. Go check it out. It's awesome. You know what the best part is? What? It's free. It is. It's free. Absolutely free. Free is good. Yeah. It's the best price. You don't even have to pirate it. It's like free free. But you can pretend to pirate if it makes you... You can dress like a pirate while you listen to (laughs) it. Get that edge of danger in there. (laughs) God damn it, Jason. What? I mean, you can. You've worked from home for too long. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh... Michael, what you been watching? All right. So mine... Oh, I should not hold that so close to the thing. <laughs> Probably like some like bit crushing yeah, there. Yeah, I'm trying to look up my movie here. So I watched one I was kind of excited about All right. since I read about it. Um, it is a new Netflix film. Sorry, Dustin. I'm out. Uh, called Metal Lords. Jason, have you heard of this? I have not. Oh, interesting. I thought you would have heard of it. You would think so. All right. So its claim to fame is that it's written by D.B. Weiss okay. of Game of Thrones fandom, which I don't know if I'd call it a claim to fame. I mean, <laughs> they did fine on like the first six seasons. I liked it. I was happy with the whole um, But this is like his new... Um, so he is actually a metal fan. And okay. there's a lot of videos of him uh, like with a bunch of heavy metal dudes like playing the Game of Thrones intro. Oh. together so it's like tom morello awesome. um, scotty and like a bunch of metal guys mm-hmm. i like it i like it um so the basic premise of this movie is that two friends try to form a heavy metal band with a cellist for the battle of the bands um mm-hmm. things that i like about this movie it's very tongue-in-cheek i'm gonna put that away because it keeps a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah put, put that <laughs> um, thing away it uh it's very tongue-in-cheek it knows what it's doing sure um it's basically takes the whole love of the heavy metal genre and gives you the archetype of the kid who's like the heavy metal kid in high school. Always wearing the metal shirts. I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, always wearing the metal shirts, long hair, you know, mm-hmm. and he's always the one who's talking that he wants to form a band and they're gonna be they're gonna be gods. Like we're gonna be metal gods. So then you got the other archetype of the super nerdy kid that befriends this guy, um, and he gets him to play drums in the band. Because the kid happens to play drums in marching band. So he automatically assumes, like, you're a drummer, dude. So, like, you're in our (laughs) metal band. And their band name is called Skullfucker, which I think is pretty awesome. It's a good one. Good Um, The film starts off with just so many rapid-fire references that I was hooked. Like, I mean, Maiden posters everywhere, Dio posters, like, 
Judas Priest on the wall, like everything. That's right. The kid's car has a license plate that says Power Slave. Nice. Like everything about this just screams that someone knows their metal. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up not being able to find a bass player, so their band never really sounds good. So the one kid finds there's a new girl in school that's very shy, but she has a, a temper problem, apparently, um, because you see her throwing her clarinet at the <laughs> band director and calling him a cunt. And he says, we don't use that word in the United States. <laughs> She's British. Okay. Um, so it was pretty funny to, sure. we don't use that word here. <laughs> um, anyway, um, she becomes kind of interested in metal because the nerdy kid is into metal and mm-hmm. she's kind of into the nerdy kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, but the main dude's like, no dude, you can't have a cellist be a, a, your bass player. That's not metal. That's not metal. Thing carries on. Some issues I have with it. It does address some uh, mental health issues mm-hmm. um, to deal with um, the female lead. She takes her quote unquote happy pills is what she calls them. She stops taking them and has outbursts at school. But when she starts dating the other main character, she says, I don't need them. You're my happy pill. And I was like, uh oh, <laughs> that one was like. Ooh. They kind of address that in the film. Like, it doesn't make you broken or wrong that you have to take medication mm-hmm. for your mental health, but it never went far enough to say, like, I can't be your happy pill. You right. know, like, and it almost, that was a hang up for me just because it's a personal issue that I'm like, no, no, no. Sounds like a bit of like YA whims- whimsical. Yeah, like, so you got to be yeah. careful with that. But if you're on the fence about this, like, if you watch the trailer for it, if you're on the fence about it, I will tell you it's worth a watch for one scene where the nerdy kid has uh, the angel and devil on his shoulders kind of a thing, and they're mm-hmm. talking him through it. And it's um, Scott Ian, Tom Morello, Kirk Hammett, and then Rob Halford shows up. <laughs> and they're talking him through the situation. Nice. And Halford's like, you don't abandon the ones that you love. Uh-huh. And it's just like super, yeah. oh, it's just so many good references. That's fun. But in the end, it just made me want to go watch Heavy Trip. So that's what I was about to say. It sounds a bit like Heavy Trip to me. <laughs> it's very similar in concept. I don't think it's executed as well, and it's a little more teen-oriented, which, Dustin, I don't know if you've seen Heavy Trip. No, I don't believe I have. Um, mm. Totally worth a watch. If you like any sort of metal. I do. Is that I Swedish? Do. I think it is yeah. Swedish. I've yeah. seen a lot of like metal horror stuff, but not... This is metal comedy. Mm. Straight-up metal comedy about some guys who just... They're trying to start a metal band, and they just... Yeah, they're trying to make it to this festival and stuff. <laughs> it's 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 a phenomenal movie. This just left me wanting to watch it. But it's only an hour and a half. The references alone were worth it for me and made me like, okay. Yeah. I can't be mad at this. Right. If you're a metal fan, you're going to find something to like about it. So, Jason, I would say watch it okay. carefully. Okay. I think <laughs> there's some jokes in it that are funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, with all of the metal references, I think you'll at least find some enjoyment in it. You'll see every hang-up I have in it immediately. Okay. But it's only an hour and a half. If you like metal, watch it. Cool. Cool. Sounds metal. like you could do worse with your time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad at all. I laughed out loud several times, so it was obviously worth the hour and a half. Nice. But Metal Lords, um, yeah, Netflix. Sweet. Cool. Go check it out. Yeah. Should I, should I go next? Sure. Why don't you okay. go next? Oh, there's so many things I could talk about. Yeah? Yeah. But I've put this off, and I do want to bring it up on the episode just to see see if anyone will write in and talk to us about this. Mm-hmm. So recently, uh, there was the Oscars. 
Uh-huh. We less said about that, the better. No, I don't know what you're talking about. But there's about. also those fan ones, right? Where people kind of vote. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you know? And Michael Hardy knows where I'm going with this. Yeah. And so uh, one Zack Snyder took home some awards from those. And there's been this whole chain of like, you know, the hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Uh-huh. And it's really like blown up. Like I'm the one that manages most of our social media stuff. So I don't, I'm not super keen on using Twitter, but I like to engage with anyone that wants to talk with us on there. So I do like go on there and like check regularly and like look for cool stuff. So I'm just constantly all the time I'm on there, I'm seeing this like, oh, the Snyderverse, the Snyderverse, the Snyderverse. And as someone who was like lukewarm on most of those films, mm-hmm. I was like, what am I missing? Clearly, okay. clearly I must be missing something. Clearly. Um, so I took it upon myself to go back. I uh, rewatched Man of Steel. I was always okay with it. I, I liked it. <laughs> no wonder you're in a bad mood um, tonight. I didn't ever hate it, so I, I get some of the criticisms, but I'm like, whatever. It's a pretty decent Superman film. He actually like fights people in it, which is something you can say for it, I think. I've always liked Cavill as Superman. I don't mm. think he's a bad Superman I think it all. takes more strength not to fight, Dustin. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it, though, those old Superman films, like he barely throws a punch the whole time. Yeah. I mean, he would eviscerate people. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, that's another conversation for another sure. time. You've seen what happens in Invincible. Like, <laughs> <what happens laughs> right. In so then I watched Batman v Superman, the ultimate cut, which I had never seen. Mm-hmm. And as I watch it, I'm like, you know what? I don't know why, but those 30 extra minutes, it actually makes it better. Oh, Something about the padding and the pacing of it. I do not like it, where this is going. Like, I don't know. It filled it out more. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of digging this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, still, it's got a lot of problems. It's very rushed. You know, they're cramming like three storylines together. All kinds of craziness. Sure. So then I say, okay, you know, now, now's the, the white well, right? You got to go on to Zack Snyder's Justice League, <laughs> which is the crazy four-hour investment that it is. So I watched it. That's didn't, didn't you already recently watch that? Yes. Okay, you, re- you rewatched it. Well, no, no, this is... No, this is him talking about yeah. it. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. I've been wanting to bring yes. this up for like two or three oh, episodes. I see. You're yeah. breaking immersion, Jason. <laughs> sorry. Just stay over there. Look pretty. He's already depressed because he generally knows where this is going. <laughs> Just sit over there and look pretty, and um, Dustin will finish with you in a bit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, I've seen the other one, the like the Whedon cut, I guess, is now what we're calling it. Probably should just call it the studio cut, I think, at this point. Sure. Um, and, of course, that one was really bad. That's the only one I've seen. And that was, like, coming from that, I kept thinking, like, I never even had a desire to watch this one because I was like, well, how could you even take that and, like, do anything to make it any better? Mm-hmm. What's adding like two hours to it gonna do? <laughs> Just the fact that you say adding two hours yeah. is like you know. Uh, and then the crazy thing is, is that like, dude, I really, really loved it. I thought it was like so, so engaging, so entertaining. Like, it really worked for like that vibe of the DC sort of like feel. So me. join us next episode when it's just <laughs> me and Jason. We're recording this on April eighth. It is not April first. I keep, I keep double checking. No, no, no. Like, really, I was impressed with how much I liked it. How much more like. The extra context on everything, because if you've seen that other cut, like, the the Flash and Cyborg are kind of just, like, there. Like, they just pop up and are doing shit and have, like, no no background, no setup at all. And this was, like, you know, it was long to watch it at four hours, but then you think, like, well, it was going to be two films before Warner Brothers got, like, gun-shy about everything and started, like, pulling plugs on different is, ideas. Is that the one where uh, the Flash enters the Speed Force? It is the one. That which, was, which is the most terrible moment, yes. according to this past Oscars? See, I think if you were a comic fan, you would know, like, why that's a big deal for people. Uh-huh. Um, to me, it's, like, no more exchangeable than, like, the Avengers lineup when they 
had the end game thing. That's uh-huh. equally as like a big deal, but you know, I, I don't mean to sound dismissive. <laughs> well, but, but that was important though, because I think they're basically doing flashpoint paradox, right? Mm-hmm. For the next, they are. Yeah. That's kind of the, plan, and so you have to enter the speed force in order for flashpoint paradox to work. It was just hilarious how it was in the Oscars and like no one, at the Oscars, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it is a cool scene. And that's one of the things I want to say is like that final part of the film, like when they're actually going at Steppenwolf, I was surprised how different that looks and how much better it is like rendered and all the CG and stuff. Like even Steppenwolf, like they completely redid his CG and he actually looks, you know, interesting now and like blended in with everything. I mean, okay. he was born to be wild, so <laughs> someone had to do it. Uh, what else? Other things I want to say about it. I think... I've always liked Ben Affleck as Batman, I think. Like, I've gone back and forth about it, but he really does, like... To me, I don't see why you couldn't have both. You can have this younger one that's, like, the Matt Reeves Batman with Robert Pattinson, and then, like, an older one that's more about the Justice League stuff, and it's Ben Affleck playing the role. Sure, why not? Because even, like, if we want to talk about the comics... And I'm just wasting so much time on this film, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) Like, when you read, like, a Batman comic, and then you read, like, the Justice League with Batman, that's two totally different flavors of things anyways. That makes sense. Yeah. But I'm interested to see what they'll do now, because they're in a weird spot, right? Because they've axed... (laughs) Pop filters My pop filter keeps drooping. Out of control this episode. It's mirroring my emotions right now. (laughs) Right, because they've axed all this, because they were like, this doesn't work, no one wants it. And then now, like... They did this cut, and it's, like, super, super well-received, super acclaimed. Did Aquaman come out after that? Yes. Okay. I was Just, wondering what the last one was so far. I have no well, idea. Well, the last one's been, like, what, Shazam or what, uh, Suicide Squad, the second one? Yeah, I guess that yeah. still falls in the same. Is it in the Snyderverse, though? I don't know. That's the thing, is they've kind of broken all this up, and they've talked about that new Flash movie that, like, it was going to be part of it, and then they've, like, axed it, but now maybe they're going to go back. It's just interesting, because I wonder, as a studio, like, what do you do when you've, like, canned all of that, but then suddenly you're like, wait, no, this is, this is what people want. Do you, do you backpedal and try to, like, go back to that or what? I wonder. And then you have the whole Ezra Miller controversy now, Mm -hmm. uh, where he's, like, in trouble, so. (laughs) Quite a bit, yeah. Where they're like, well, should we continue? (laughs) I don't know. Wait, which one, which one, what did he do? Which one's he? He's Flash. Supposedly broke into somebody's house. And assaulted them or something in Hawaii. That's not cool. Yeah. It's a... Doesn't look good. But, you know... <laughs> Apparently the speed force isn't the only thing he's entering. But, hey, if if Ozzy can kill a guy and, and get out of it... <laughs> that's then, true, that's true. Then, you know... Ozzy? Who'd Ozzy kill? I don't remember. I think it was just a joke from Airheads. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Ozzy yeah. hasn't killed anyone. It was a... It was a joke. It's a joke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ruffling my feathers So, a yeah, bit uh, I'm going to say Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League... I quite liked it. I'm kind of surprised at that. So okay. he just did um, that so he can post. He can talk about it in the in the <laughs> show notes. <laughs> yeah. If you like superhero films, I think it's at least worth checking out. It is a big investment. Did they fix the mustache issue? They don't have that scene because that was a reshot they had to do with Whedon. <laughs> they should have kept the uh, okay. mustache. And that's another. <laughs> just I super Superman a mustache. The mustache, like uh, okay. And I guess one more thing I should say too. Speaking of like the whole like Whedon version, there was a lot of stuff that when you, know, you see that one, I thought like, Oh, that's something that Whedon made. Cause it's funny. But then it was actually something that Snyder shot. And I was surprised. You look at all the scenes where Gal Gadot looks punished and, and that's actually the Whedon one <laughs> where he's just is, being it, a shit there, bag. <laughs> is there nothing that Whedon shot in Snyder's cut? Like nothing? No, nothing at all. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all like Snyder's footage. Hmm, interesting. So yeah, pretty cool. What do you got, Jason? 
Uh, I will briefly talk about two movies because Ooh. they strangely dovetailed on me. Um, this is one I saw a long time ago and decided to rewatch it because I just love these kinds of movies. Um, but it is the <laughs> um, Bloody Pit of Horror from 1965. Cool. It's Italian. Um, hard eye or soft eye? Italian. Always hard. Always hard. Italian. It's Italian. We're in Kentucky, so it's yeah. Italian. It's Italian. Uh, this is a movie about a, um, a photographer and models go to this abandoned castle to shoot some sexy covers for horror novels. Mm-hmm. But oh, none yeah. of this is going? Yeah. yeah. Unbeknownst to them, the castle is inhabited by a lunatic who believes himself to be the reincarnated spirit of a 17th century executioner. The oh. Crimson Executioner, to be precise. Uh, it is... Uh, Kind of like, <laughs> kind of uh, trashy in a very chaste way, you know, because he's like torturing these girls, and it's not really like a lot of flesh you see, you know, but there's like hints of it, you know, it shows, it shows as much as they can, basically. And it's just so out there and so crazy and uh, unbelievable. Like he's pouring hot lead on this one girl, and it's obviously just like paint. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But That's how it works. Yeah, it's like an old Weird Tales cover or something. The whole movie is. Hmm. Um, but they had this really cool location, this castle they shot in. And I can't remember the name of the castle right now. It doesn't matter. Um, it does matter. No, not really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a fun movie. I You know, check it out if you like 60s Italian Where could one find this kind of if things. they wanted to? Um, I believe I watched it on um, Tubi. Tubi, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're really bucking for that Tubi sponsorship. <laughs> and then I watched a movie called Malabimba, also Italian, uh, from 79. Uh, the little blurb about this one. I can't I haven't find much about this, really. Uh, the blurb is, uh, Bimba, a 16-year-old daughter of a wealthy family, is starting to show disturbing signs of demonic possession. Uh-oh. And unlike Reagan and The Exorcist, which is very much a ripoff of, um, she's more interested in having sex with people. Oh. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, because oh Reagan's a child, so. Right, right. <laughs> thankfully. Thankfully, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, this one is so, it's so sleazy, it's great. And uh, surprisingly, uh, I watched it on Arrow, and they kept in the hardcore inserts, which mm-hmm. was, well, it was like, whoa, okay, all right. So, There's something about that phrase that's just actually fitting for it. That's what they're called. What they're called. They're uh, yeah. Usually shot after the fact, usually by some other director, and they're just like inserted into. Uh, they usually are. Mm-hmm. That's usually yeah, how it works. Yeah, there are some of those. Uh, but it's is it a good movie? No. Is it a fun movie? Yes. What and more but, do you need? I was watching it and I realized, holy shit, that's the same castle as Bloody Pit of War. Ah. So I thought it was, it was so, so now, weird because I watched it like a day later and I was like, that looks familiar. That's the same castle. Jason's Sounds sitting like there a, watching uh, hardcore pornography. He's like, I recognize that set. Uh, seriously, yeah. That's a recycled set. Come on, guys. Oh, that's that, a real castle. That's kind of like uh, the swimming pool in Japanese adult videos. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up just now. Uh oh. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I don't put anything from our first part in the show notes, so I don't have to tag that. Okay, here it is. Um, Balsarano Castle was where it was shot. Mm. So here's my question now. Are there more films shot there? There are, actually. Like so we Lady, could do Lady a... Frankenstein was shot there. <laughs> so we could do a block. 
We could. There was films that involved this castle. We could. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just adding it to the list. Yeah, put that on the list. Yeah. I like it. Check them out. Right, so we are talking about Fortress from 1985. Jason, why don't you pitch this up for us? Okay. This is your film. Yes, it is my pick. It was made for HBO in 1985. It is Australian. Um, <laughs> Directed by Arch Nicholson. Who did very little else. He has a handful of other films. Mostly TV work, yeah. Um. I saw this back in the day, I, I believe when it was on HBO, although I think it was also played like in syndication and stuff mm. later on. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Things in there that I was like, okay. It was the 80s, man. Things were like more lenient. Sometimes. It depends. It's weird. <laughs> Except for that whole, you know, Reaganomics thing. <laughs> like, not so lenient on the, on the little man, is it? <laughs> right, right. Um, and I've alienated most of our podcasts. <laughs> listenership now <laughs> so uh what genre would you say this is we i would say i would say it is thriller survival horror mm. okay i could buy that and yeah. I, i'm a sucker for like those type of survivalist films yeah thriller was the main one i kind of pulled on when i looked online there's also uh, a lot of people give this the action and adventure tag which i can kind of see i can kind of see that yeah. but it's really more of a thriller i don't um, know there's not really good adventure and I think usually with the action adventure tag, you get like there's some like whimsy a lot of times with some some of the action and adventure, and there's no whimsy. Oh, it's the focus. You didn't think there was whimsy in that score when it kicked in? Well, <laughs> not not intentional whimsy. <laughs> well, I was surprised to see that HBO began in 1972. That it goes that far back. Ah, I would have never thought. It yeah, went back into the seventies. Apparently, like its uh, demographic was very small then. Like it was only in certain regions. Mm. Hmm. Uh, but by the time the eighties hit, they became pretty huge. And I remember HBO was a big deal back in oh, the yeah. day. We had a, it was I was I was a kid growing up. Yeah, that we was had, like we'd our have one. Sometimes we subscribe for a while and <laughs> stop and then get it again. Well, we didn't actually. I grew up in a very rural area that did not have access to cable. Ooh. Um, so we couldn't get it until satellite came around. And we had the huge, uh, like, Terravision dish in our backyard. (laughs) And then I remember my parents, like, one time got HBO for something, and I was like, what? (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool back then. But I was, like, 13 by the time we got satellite at all. So So I always remember in the 90s when they did the Spawn animated series, and I, like, wanted to watch (laughs) it so bad, and I asked my parents to, like, tape it for me. Uh (laughs) So they screened the first episode, then they were like, no, you can't watch this. Oh, no. That sucks. I'm buying the comics, so... (laughs) Yeah, what's the difference? (laughs) Wow. I never knew about HBO's history. Like, I didn't know how big of a deal it was until I watched that uh, last Blockbuster documentary, and then I, like, I had... Because... You and I grew up in the age where there was always VHS. Like, we always had VCR. We could always... Like, rental wasn't that big of a thing. Like, it was just normal for us. And I didn't know... I sound like such a millennial. (laughs) Like, I didn't realize that, you know, like, once you went to see something at the theater, that was it. Mm. Oh, yeah. You didn't get to see it again unless a theater had a copy and were playing it or it got... Put on television. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't realize that you couldn't just go own it. Yeah. 
And then when I found out about HBO, that was more like, oh, well, you can see these things again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't cost you a fortune to get like Betamax or a VHS player. And record it. And record it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a big deal. They were they were like trying to figure out ways to keep people from recording it and stuff like that. And... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing uh, before we move away from genre, I thought maybe we should talk about it. Should we get into exploitation? Do you want to talk about that for a minute? We could touch on it. Uh, so exploitation are exploitation films, which are all uh, generally a category of low budget horror, comedy, sexploitation, or action films that, in this instance, are made in Australia. Uh, typically after the introduction of the R rating in 1971. And have nothing to do with Ozzy Osbourne, who definitely didn't kill anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that same year also was when the Australian New Wave movement began in cinema. And so along with that, at the same time, this exploitation style kind of peaked in the same like little motion. Movies like Razorback. Mm-hmm. That's actually listed, um, and if you go to IMDb for Fortress, underneath it's like similar movies. Raise a bick, <laughs> raise a bick. That's right a good there. movie. That's a great movie. Raise a bick, raise a bick. Um, so the actual term it's credited to a documentary called "Not Quite Hollywood: The Wild Untold Story of Exploitation." That's a good doc. It's from 2008. Worth going to check out if you dig Australian movies like this. Um, boop 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 boop. And Fortress has a connection to exploitation too. Other than being exploitation, is it? It's listed if you is go like, okay. on Wikipedia. I, I guess it, it could be, but typically when I think of exploitation, I think of more like sensationalistic films. Maybe this is a little sensationalistic, though. But I wonder too, because like in a lot of listings, I saw Mad Max on there, and to me, that's almost like a big, no. big movie I that I wouldn't count. Back in the day, no, the first one mm-hmm. wasn't. It was pure cult film. Maybe I could see. But that. But speaking of Mad Max, this movie has. Someone from the Road Warrior. It does playing one of the um, one of the abductors has uh, Vernon Wells as Dabby Duck. <laughs> Those names. Oh yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yeah, you don't really ever see them. Um, so maybe yeah. we'll do a block on this at some point because I think it would be a fun one to dig in on. Yeah. But before we go any further, are there any personal favorites you guys have of exploitation? I know you mentioned Razorback. Do you do you dig that one? I dig it, but I mean, honestly, if you're talking about the greatest. <laughs> Australian movie, it's The Road Warrior. I mean, hands down. There's no... Can you count New Zealand in it? No. Not usually, no. I don't think. Damn. Okay. Then I don't I don't know enough exploitation. Just so, say Road Warrior, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I've done some. Um, I do like Razorback, and it's weird because usually I hate like animal attack kind of horror films, but I do uh-huh. dig that one. Just the way okay, it's So done. why is that one different from others? I don't know. It's just the way it's executed, I guess. Just It's very MTV. Yeah. And it's just because you get to hear people go raise a bit. Yeah, that's you. Uh, I do love that accent. So, uh, Road Games from 1981. Oh, you know, I have not seen that. I need to oh, see that. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then for something a little newer from 2005, Wolf Creek. Oh, yeah. Wolf Creek was good. I do like Wolf Amazing. Creek. I didn't yeah. know if that would... I didn't know if like coming into modern times, if it's still exploitation. It's generally still considered as such. It's just like anything, it's died down right okay. as the years have gone on. No, I liked Wolf Creek. I liked the first one. I didn't give a shit about the other ten, <laughs> or however fuck many they did. And then they do like a TV show version too. I think. I think so. Yeah. Same dude. Like, could you consider um, Crocodile Dundee two? Exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably in its most purest form. I mean, this movie has a lot of Crocodile Dundee two in it. It does. Yeah. There's a lot of like Mick Dundee like traps and shit <laughs> that are set. And if, like, one of those kids had a big Bowie knife, 
Mm-hmm. He'd be like, that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I see you've played knifey spoony before. <laughs> um, so this film has an interesting link to our last one. Did you guys pick up on that? Um, no. Right. So Duel was based on a short story by Richard Madison. Ah, yes. This film is based on a novel by Gabriel Lord. It is. Also called Fortress. Um, Loosely based on a real event. Yes, that was the next link I was going to go to. Okay. Uh, a little bit about Lord. She was an Australian writer uh, born in 1946, and she's considered Australia's first lady of crime. She did a lot of like crime fiction sort of stories. Hmm. Cool. Uh, I guess psychological thrillers is what she became like famous for. Okay. But yeah, Jason, this is also based on a true event. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, in 1972, it was the Faraday School Kidnapping. Um, a one-teacher school, rural town of Faraday in Victoria, Australia. Uh, two men uh, kidnapped six, six female pupils and their teacher and were going to hold them for a million-dollar ransom. Uh, the government claimed it would pay the ransom, but the victims escaped. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and they caught the crooks, and they were tried and convicted. Um, but then the main robber, and his name was Eastwood, he escaped, and he did the same thing again. Kidnapped another teacher and nine pupils. He's really fixated on this idea, apparently. Yeah, and apparently he, he was like on the lam carrying these people with him, and he kept collecting hostages. Like he was in a, a, in a wreck. <laughs> Getting away with the kids, and he took the people he wrecked with, and later on he like took an RV and took those people. He was just going across country collecting it's his hostages. Menagerie. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Tarantino movie Look or at something. All my hostages here. You know, other- some people think that his, the crimes were inspired by Dirty Harry mm. and the Scorpio killer in there because he right. abducts a school bus. Yeah, he takes over that school bus. Another funny thing I saw about this dude. Uh, so after the second time when he got caught and put back in prison. Apparently, he strangled to death another inmate because <laughs> yeah. he was a convicted rapist, which right. he claimed it was a matter of self-defense. Uh-huh. Damn. Okay. Uh, but apparently, he served his sentence and got released, so... <laughs> I, I, what the hell? Okay. Maybe he tried some other angle, decided <laughs> to stop trying to, you know, abduct school kids. And then I think one other little background thing to throw in there before we go into the film itself. Another inspiration a lot of people bring up is uh, Lord of the Flies. Yeah. William Golding's novel from 1954. That's actually when Piper, she watched the end of this with me, and she was like, five words or less, explain this movie. That's her thing for me, is like, five words or less. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, 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 what I ended up saying, and she was like, oh, so like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it goes as... No, she doesn't have that rule. She can say however many words oh. she wants. I'm limited to five. Oh, okay. Because I'll be like, you remember that movie from Are 1962? You... That, like... So she must hate listening to the podcast. She we, doesn't. we never say anything. She doesn't, <laughs> listen. she doesn't listen anymore. She straight up told me the other day, she's like, I stopped listening a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, That's fine. My wife's like, they're too long. <laughs> That's exactly what Piper said. Um. But yeah, I don't know if it hits the same like I guess like psychological depth as Lord of the Flies, but you can see its inspiration on the. Oh, film. absolutely sure. I think it's saying something different, but we'll get to that. Okay, well, let's just roll into the film then. I guess. Let's do it. Yes. So the movie opens at a small farm at dawn, and I quite like this intro. Yeah. The way it comes in with the music and it's like panning across the farm. Mm-hmm. Very picturesque. Uh, you could tell it's already, it's in a rural area, but the music is kind of intense, almost. It is. Yeah, it is. And we meet Sid. I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. He's uh, played by Sean Garlic. Yeah, does a good job. 
He has it's a rifle. pronounced Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> he has a rifle and he shoots a fox that's been preying all the, on the chicks. I do have a question. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Was it real? Was the, the fox? fox real? Yeah. It looked a little real. I think it looked real. So did the. I don't know. So did the mangled cat. Was that a cat or a squirrel? It was made of a squirrel. It was pretty I don't know. mangled. I'm really bad at animal identification. So <laughs> well, it, was, it, was, it was pretty messed up. So I it was, was dead. It was kinda, all messed up. I kind of wondered about that. I don't know. Uh-huh. No way to know. So his shot wakes up Sally, who's a British school teacher who's living with his family. Played by Rachel Ward. Yeah, and she's she's good. I like her. She's been in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we realize about her pretty quickly is that she's proper and polite. Mm-hmm. Very, very polite. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, so there's some family talk, blah, blah, blah. Like, we also learned that Sid's parents are terrible actors. <laughs> So like um, along with most of these people in the movie, I think um, I think uh, they were very natural. Is the word you're looking hmm. for? All I'll say is, is don't be put off by the intro because when it first started and like the mom even opened her mouth and said one line, I was like, oof. I didn't think what, it was egregious. Going on now? I didn't think it was that bad. It gets better though. I think. I think. There, the I did notice is much better. There was a scene where. It, and this was an editing problem mm. so, as much as it was an acting problem. But the dad, like, is sitting there. You can see him <laughs> nodding her lines. And then he pauses. Reaction line. Like, it's very much like reading cue cards <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I was, I did notice that when I was like, oh, okay. Well. But that's an editing problem you didn't have to show him. Mm-hmm. You could have shown her delivering the lines. Pop to him. That's that's an editing problem. It's a director problem. Okay. Uh, so then Sally, Sid, and Sid's younger brother, Tommy, is that his name? There's yeah. a lot of it's, fucking Tommy. There's a lot of kids. Movie. There's a lot, a of, lot, of, a lot kids. of kid names. I think it's Tommy. Uh, they start walking to this rural one-room school not too far away. And we see they're in a very rural, very desolate kind of place. Yep. And that dead animal you mentioned, whatever it was, uh, Tommy spits on it. Yeah. Says you got to spit on a dead animal for luck. So, you know, remember that in the future. Words to live by. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please don't. There was one shot that I liked a lot on their on their walk to the school was when they're on the train tracks. Mm-hmm. And you see the train coming up behind them. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like, there's a train right, there's a they train don't even right behind them. And it's, it's moving slow, but it's still, I mean, it's just It's catching up to them. It's lumbering, it's coming. You know, yeah. My whole emotions with that, I was like, "Oh, this is a cool shot." And then I was like, "Is the train gonna roll up on them though? Why are they still on the tracks?" And I was like, "Oh no, it's gonna stop at the station." Then I'm like, "Oh fuck, no, it's not stopping at the station." <laughs> in my, the, when I was watching that in my mind, I was just thinking of the conductor, like, "Fucking kids, yeah, like, gonna move? Will you get off of the goddamn train tracks?" <laughs> it's Jason in there. You, you get the vibe that like this happens every day or something. Almost. <laughs> but again, it's a bit of foreshadowing, I think, because it's you know something big and oppressive coming at them. Sure. <laughs> Do you think this would work better as a play? Yes. Do you think this film would have worked it better would have as a play? Much better as a play. <laughs> oh man, I think I'm in trouble on this one. Okay. Uh, yes. So they get to the school, and there's what, like nine pupils, something like that. I range, believe it's nine. Yes. In ages from like six to sixteen. Which I wondered, like, maybe this is to think that there used to be a lot of one room schools. Like, how did they like? organize that when you had like the different age ranges i mean they would have different lessons for different you know ages well i think it, and from the dynamics it looked like norell mm-hmm. um who was the oldest girl 
She's the one coming out swinging that big ass bell, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, she looks like she's kind of hit the end of her schooling mm-hmm. and is now like teaching the younger ones. Mm. Kind of looks like how it's going. Well, she's de- yeah, she's definitely helping. Yeah. Yeah. But when they show up, all the kids kind of start playing before they go inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're singing songs, which I think we should, you know, songs are an important part of this film almost because she has the kids sing quite a lot. Right. Through different stages of the film. Each kid has a certain part of the song that they sing. Mm-hmm. That would have annoyed the fuck out of me. <laughs> we get a little characterization because they're, uh, it's, I want to say, is it, what's his name? Derek is the Derek, bully. Derek's the one I was thinking of, the bully. Of these kids, Derek and Narelle are really the only important ones besides uh, Sid. Sid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Derek's the bully. He's the big guy. He's No, Tommy's important. I guess Tommy's important. He becomes important. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. He's like off, like sneaking and smoking. Right. And it's one like the youngest kids over there getting a hard time about it. Mm. So he's bullying the kid. And we see him bullying one of the other little girls a lot in the classroom. And everyone's kind of arguing and, and being kids. What, they think, I think they say they've only got like two weeks left of school for yeah. right now. And they're going to go on like a summer break. Right. But the teacher, what's her name? Sally. Sally. Sally straight up puts everybody in their fucking place. Oh, yeah. Like quickly. She's like, you quit being a dipshit. <laughs> you stop being a fucking bully. You animals are not here just for you to torture and spit on, you piece of shit. Yeah. Sit down. The, the, the quote is animals are not put on this earth expressly to be mutilated and spat on by capricious young boys. Yeah, she was straight up mm-hmm. no whole like if you fucked up in her classroom, she's gonna call you out. And they also make fun of her accent and stuff. Yeah. And like her stuffiness. Well. She didn't really shoot him down for that, but that's fine. <laughs> she's kids, like, I'm above kids. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the kids gets distracted by an animal he sees outside, mm-hmm. which turns out to be one of the gunmen who stormed the school with sawed-off shotguns. And it's neat how it starts, because like, they call out about it, and she looks, and there's nothing there, and she's like, well, you're just you know, goofing off still. Yeah, right. Get, get doesn't, in line. Doesn't believe him. And then we see one of these people just show up in the window. Yeah, Father Christmas, right? He's mm-hmm. the one that shows up in the it's window. It's rather unnerving. I will say that. The I masks wasn't... are pretty... Especially the Father Christmas one. That's I wasn't expecting it. They're very like cheapish, but it's in a way where it makes them kind of disturbing just to yeah. look at them. And apparently, these are like a quote unquote characters. They might be real characters. I don't know. Like obviously, Father Christmas is an easy one to pick up on, but it's uh, Dabby Duck, <laughs> Pussy Cat, and Mac the Mouse. Mac the Mouse. Yeah. Because it seems like the kids like know the characters. Right. That's the impression I got. Maybe they're like cartoon characters over there or something. Well, there's no way to know. And so when these when they see these dudes show up, Sally's quickly like, lock the doors, lock the doors. And they're like, fuck, there's a kid in the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's when you look out, and sure enough, one of the dudes has got the shitter kid, and he's mm-hmm. like carrying him out. Yep. Uh, the thing that I noticed right away, though, did you notice how willy-nilly they were with these guns? Yeah. Like, they shoved them right in the kids' faces. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you do not see that shit now. Right. That does not happen. Yeah. But they were, like, and they were rough with the kids. They, they don't were, hesitate like, to put kids in jeopardy in this movie. They were picking the kids up by their shirts and shit. And I'm like, Jesus, you don't see that now Yeah, at I liked all. it because it's not, like, full-on a horror film. But when it gets dangerous, it gets, like, really dangerous. Yeah. In, like, the vibe it has. Yeah. So Sally says, you know, grab your, you know, your belongings, your lunch boxes and all that stuff. We're, we're going to go on a, a little picnic. We're going on a kidnapping field trip, children. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so they abduct the kids. They abduct the kids. They put them all in this old crappy van and start driving. And so pretty much, we're literally right along with the actual event that happened. Right. Just yeah. we've got more yeah. kids in the mix. Exactly. They end up though getting the Sally ends up convincing the captors that you're going to have to pull over and let these kids pee. Well, there's some neat development first before they pull over. Yeah, Michael. Because they're driving out into the countryside, like away from the little, little town they're at. And the captors are kind of talking to one another, and they're talking about how they're going to get ransom money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of them even says something about, like, oh, you know, they'll pay immediately as soon as they find out. There's With this many kids, there's no way. Yeah, and they're ogling Narelle an awful mm-hmm. lot, too. Yeah, it's a little creepy. I did. Yeah. I do take issue with... Narelle's character in this film. Okay. I actually take pretty hard issue with that. All right. Is that something we'll get to later? Yeah. Okay. I think so. All right. Okay, put a pin in that thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're, they try to, <laughs> she tries to get the kids to sing, and they're just very like, no singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I can't blame him. I wouldn't want a bunch of kids singing. <laughs> Those fucking songs annoyed the shit out of me. The kids songs. Kids songs are fucking annoying. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't fucking Baby Shark or Just something. Shut your goddamn mouth. Don't even <laughs> say the words. But yeah, then, then a kid it. mentions having to go to the bathroom. Well, actually she says, I like to be excused. And yeah. I took that as like, I'm like out of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Could I be excused for this kidnapping, please? And the guys are like, oh, okay. That's sure. like sorority well. games where it's like, I can see we've troubled you enough so far. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> she asked politely, so yeah, you yeah. just go on. Go on. You're fine. But yeah, she kind of spins this into like, oh, we need to stop and let the kids use the bathroom. Right. It's going to be a big hassle. Yeah. But while they're using, while all the kids are doing their thing, she's plotting and scheming with the older kids. She's you know, sneaking like, in the peeking. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Limpy. Uh, she's. <laughs> God, I, I can't even say that anymore because I'm just going to look and see his face. She's scheming with one of the kids and she kind of tells him, like, hey, go out there. Like, you're going you're gonna to use the bathroom right and then slip off and go. And yeah, I think it was Tommy. That is Tommy. Yeah, that's redheaded Tommy. <laughs> Wow, redheaded Tommy, ginger kid. (laughs) Um, And then, which it's gonna work until one of the dumbass kids, the little girl, they start singing the song. She's a dumbass. Like they should have told her. You're right. Well, I mean, one of the kids, I think it's Sid, says Narelle, like you know, Tommy's ran off. Try to pass it along to the others. Yeah, make sure the kids know. I guess the little girl didn't get the memo. (laughs) Yeah, she fucked the whole plan up. They get to Tommy's part. Someone else sings it. It's 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 Tommy. Part. Yeah, it's Derek because he picks it up and he's like, "Oh, I have to do this." Part. Right? Yeah. God damn it! So the the crooks are like, "Oh, stop! Stop the van!" And then they're holding the shotgun right in the little kid's face. Yes, Toby. I think is, is that's is. the one. No, that's another one of the scenes that yeah, I'm he's like, got him by the scruff, shotgun right in the yeah. face. And the poor kid, you can actually see it on his face. Is like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. <laughs> Please, Scott. But he literally says, "Like you've got till the count of ten to get that kid back here, and if not, I'm going to blow his head off." Yeah. And she just takes off running down the road and shouting after Tommy and being like, hey, it's over, Tommy. Come back, please. Yeah. We just have to give up. And Which he she, does. Yep, yeah. yep. And they get back in the van and keep going. And they take them to this uh, very remote-looking area. And they hoof a little bit. And they the abductors take them to this cave. Make them crawl down to this little cave. And it's like a little hole in the ground at first, but you can see it kind of like curves down into yeah. a cave. I was getting serious D&D vibes watching this. <laughs> <laughs> um, they up the creepiness factor a little more, too, because as they're getting them down in there, I think one of them makes the thing where it's like, they talk about the teacher, and they're like, oh, she'll probably be up for a gang rape, right? Yeah, yeah, there's something like that. You can see that these are just terrible, terrible people. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, they don't give them. It's it's amazing how you know people who would abduct children are also <laughs> you know skeevy perverts. They don't give them a whole lot of backstory, but mm-hmm. you don't need it because no. the little yeah, things that they it. say, they're yeah. like, you know what's on their enough mind. that you're like, oh god, these are horrible human beings. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they put like a boulder or something over the entrance and seal them in, and then it goes dark, and everyone starts freaking out. Well, it turns out though that some of the kids thought in their haste to grab some things like to bring with them or to have with them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's Derek happens to have a pack of matches on him. Right. Cause he smokes. Yeah. So that's like a little, a cool like setup callback that they do. Mm-hmm. They show you that and then, well, and oof. all the kids have their books and stuff and like they have their notebooks and all that. So they, now it's pitch black in here. So they're like, well, we got to start a fire. Mm-hmm. So they're able to get a fire started with the paper, which if you ever started a paper fire, like those are gone in like five seconds. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, but then they come up with an interesting thing where their their fire's going, and then one of them goes to drink, take a drink of water. Well, they end up getting Narelle's um, salad dressing. Salad yeah. dressing that's apparently just straight, <laughs> highly flammable. Yeah, straight uh, like kerosene. Proof. <laughs> it's Everclear. Yeah. It's Australia. They just put kerosene on their salad. You know, uh, I felt bad about that because, like, it's, it's Derek's the one that drinks it. And it's like, they set him up to be the class bully, but then he's, like, one of the most resourceful ones yeah. throughout the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they decide to make candles with shoelaces and this highly flammable salad dressing. In cans, the kids have their... They're fosters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> God, that would have been so fucking hilarious if these kids are, like, going through their lunches and, like, they all pull out of fosters. <laughs> just like, that's what we drink here. We only drink fosters. Vegemite sandwiches. Yeah. They should have mentioned Vegemite sandwiches. I'm shocked they did. I think that's a cliche. No, Dustin, no. it's not. Okay. We, we don't have any listeners in Australia right in let us I know. I don't think we have any. Yeah. They've got more class. They're too busy fighting off all the creatures that want to kill them. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so we get these scenes of resourcefulness, you yeah. know. Of, and this is where the score really ticked me off because early on you had this great, like, 80s synth wavy, like, yeah. good, like, do 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 just really, really awesome sounding. And then they get in this cave, and it's like, we're going to have our war council and make our plan. And it was the most, like, low-budget, like, sing-songy, it, it, like... It's not the best. Fucking the worst that Full Moon has ever put out before. Wow. Like, just jaunty, like... Dun, 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 dun. Most mm. of this scene bothers me. Most of this segment of the film kind of pisses me off. How so? Because it could have been not nearly as goddamn long. Like you okay, could so have, you're talking about the scene where they, they find an underground river and they decide that, that they're going to swim through it. Well, there's also one thing bothered me about that too. Mm-hmm. So when they do We're not find even there yet. what we're not even there yet. Oh, okay. They well to set that up, like basically one of the kids starts noticing that um, the smoke from their Molotov cans. Yep. Are, is kind of drifting towards a crack. And he's like, we should go explore. Mm-hmm. And Sally's immediately like, no, no, no. We don't know where that goes. We got to do the smart thing, and we're going to stay here. Mm-hmm. And they do try to push that boulder off, but it's not Yeah, it's way too right. heavy. But the kid quickly convinces Sally, like a little too quickly, that like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, we need, you know, you said this was a war council. Mm. And so she just decides, okay, well, we'll see where this goes. The rest of the kids, you stay here. They, but I like, I like that too. I like that she actually does listen to a good idea. She doesn't just dismiss yeah, that, it. Yeah, that part doesn't good. bother me. Yeah. But um, when they go through the little, when they do a little spelunking, 
Mm -hmm. um, and they come across this little underground waterway or whatever. Mm -hmm. That was the dumbest thing in the world (laughs) to swim under that. Because you don't know how long that goes. But they saw light from the other side. But like, you are an adult taking care of all of these children. Send that dumbass kid under there first. Like, Uh, he's the one who wanted to go. Well, I mean, I think you would have to explore. I mean, you'd have to try to find a way out. Yeah, but... I don't think that's beyond the realm of believability. It didn't didn't take me out of the movie or anything. It did... It it did get a little creepy right there, though, too, because she... I was going to say, can we talk about that scene in detail for a little bit? So, (laughs) she decides that she's not going to swim in all of her clothes, because that's, you know, it'd be too cold or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And they do make the comment about it being too cold. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, she undresses everything but her underwear, Mm -hmm. um, and then covers herself, but... Why is he so... I mean, I get he's like a... Horn, he's a teenager. He's a hornball teenager. Yeah. But... But she doesn't even address it or tell him to like turn around See, I like or anything. That, though. I like that, too. I mean, cause when she comes back, she's he's obviously looking at her as she's drying off. And she sees him looking. And she's like, you know, covering up and stuff. And she immediately starts talking about like getting the other kids and back to business. I like the fact that it's not brought up. You know, I mean, that, that's something a kid would do. You know, yeah, you and know. they did actually, they gave you a little exposition for this kid, or at least something, because he does turn his back. Right, you know, yeah. He does, like, right. realize, oh, oops, <laughs> shouldn't be looking. Sure. <laughs> Woo! And uh, the whole time I was watching all this in the cave, I kept thinking about the descent, and mm-hmm. the way the caves look in that, and then the way the caves look in this. And I'm just like, hmm, it's a big cave that they're in. I mean, it is. <laughs> like this. Now, I'm not saying this movie couldn't use some crawlers. I mean, that would have been interesting, but, you know. <laughs> I don't think what would have been nice is to have a little bit of claustrophobia here. Mm-hmm. There's a thing like every area was so open, but no, I know not every cave is like that. And this probably was just some place they found and they were like, well, this is a good place to hide a bunch of school kids while we try to sell them off for ransom. Mm-hmm. Like you normally would do, you know, you see a good hole in the ground. You're like, that would be a good place for school kids. That's just what they were thinking. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, that's anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she does swim under. The other side is an opening mm-hmm. into the wilderness beyond. So they go back. They rally up the kids. This is where my issue comes in. Okay. Okay. I don't know how old uh, Norell is as an actual actor here. She was born in 67. So when this 85. came 85. So she would have been 18. Mm-hmm. But how they portrayed her in the film to be younger... Mm-hmm. They hypersexualized that scene. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Like where they just had her in a tank top, and it was very <laughs> obvious. Like they were kind of trying to linger a little bit on her undressing, and like you could see things that I, think, I didn't. I think it was mostly just to show her uncomfortability with the situation. Maybe, but know? I think she's, she's coming to terms with. And she does get that later, you know. Like she does yeah. address that later, but. I don't know. I didn't think it was pervy. From a directorial standpoint, I didn't feel that was necessary. Hmm. And I felt like it added a little too much sexualization that didn't need to be there. Like, because there is sexualization on her early. I can kind of see your point, Michael, because part of, I think part of the reason that's there is because the kidnappers are sexualizing her. But the problem is that in that scene, the kidnappers the kidnappers aren't there. Right? Right there. Yeah. So, I can kind of see that. Because they did not sexualize Sally. 
Well, she also didn't want to get like half naked in front of all these people because she's self conscious, right? You know, but it's I don't, about her character. But I don't necessarily think you needed to show it the way that you did. Like you didn't have to. I, I didn't find it lingering. I mean, I, I you know I, I respect that you did. I didn't feel that you needed to have this girl in a tank top with her nipples showing when you didn't have Sally that way. Like you could have shown, like you could have at least covered that part up to where. I don't know. It just... I mean, yeah, I guess you could... It, I, I, I could see why you would say that. I didn't feel it was necessary for the character to do it that way. I know female nudity makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> you know. No, it's well, just... Another point I'll, I'll meet you there on that is that this whole scene is just way too long. So anything it's, it's they could do to trim it down. But I, I like... It's beginning to show the kids working together and caring more about one another. You know, because they're helping the little ones get out. They come back. Um, Sid comes back and Derek can't swim. Yeah, and and you know he don't forget the Tom's, long part where Sally gets stuck. Yeah, I mean, but that that could happen. I mean, that's <laughs> the main thing is that Derek's don't run. Derek's never run. You know, the other thing too is before they get to the little underground lake thing, um, there's that tight squeeze they have to kind of push through, and they try to stage this whole thing where it starts to collapse. <laughs> but it's like the only way you know it's happening is because the characters tell you it's happening. And then yeah, they kind of like dust some dust out kicks out, yeah. and that's all that happens. <laughs> I know it's beyond the budget, but it's like, why even have that? I feel like where the film ends up going, this is just way too long mm-hmm. because it doesn't end up being you. I think you could have accomplished what you were talking, like what you liked about this. I think you could have accomplished it a lot quicker because you. I felt the film needed more time on what it ends on. Right, because if you you look at the title and you read that synopsis. So I thought, like, okay, this cave is going to be the fortress. Yeah. But this is just, like, all set up to go to An hour place. in, yeah. we still don't have the fortress. <laughs> when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> One star, no actual fortress. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably out there somewhere. But what I do like what happens afterwards, though. Yes, because they start they walking. Out. They're out in, out in the middle of nowhere, and they come upon this farmhouse. Lonely farmhouse, all by itself. Right. And it's dark. It's night. It's cold. Which I hate. I hate to do the thing where it's, like, you question... What characters do in a movie? Because you know that's okay. like a, that's a terrible thing that happens in horror films a lot. Where it's like, well, that's dumb. But it's different when you're in the moment. I know, but it's like you got out of that cave. You know the killers are nearby, and the first thing you do is go to the closest house in sight, and you don't like scout it or wait and watch or do anything. Yeah, I mean, when you're cold and exhausted, and you've got a bunch of kids. I didn't really think too much on yeah, that. I don't think that's too um, far fetched. But I also wasn't thinking about how rural this, like how remote this was. Until, literally, you realize how remote this is. Mm -hmm. I don't think they did it. They didn't do a whole lot to set up. The next house may have been, you know, 20 miles away or something. Right. I mean. Well, they get there in this uh, perfect example of a um, (laughs) hoity-toity old lady is at the the door. This is hoity-toity. Jason, man, you're just Jason, defending, you're just defending everyone. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're, right. you're brimstoning the shit out of this, man. <laughs> the old lady was dead. She's you seen... didn't fucking know she was dead? She's been she to hell, like Jason. She's like an average old lady to me. <laughs> she, she, didn't... she was important to the character development of Sue's arc. It would have been better if they actually took the uh, lady from the Nightingale. That's <laughs> like, don't pick them up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, staring at them. That lady is hoity-toity. Okay, yeah. So yeah. There's an old lady there. <laughs> But, and Sally is like telling the spiel what happened, and but Father Christmas comes up from behind the old lady. Oh, the crooks are there! Surprise! They've commandeered the house because yep. it's the closest house to the cave. Sure, it makes sense. So it kind of goes on. We get some 
scenes with all of them in there. And I just like the exchange though, where it's like the kids are hungry and she brings that up and they're like, well, your food's up at the cave. Yeah. We brought you dinner, but you weren't there. I love how, I love how that's delivered. Yeah. It's like, you, you hurt my feelings. I was bringing you dinner. So, so all the guys sit down yeah. and make them serve them dinner while the kids watch. Yeah. And it's funny because the one kid's like, oh, I hope they have such and such. Like they name some food and she's like, I don't think, I, we're, getting I don't think we're getting anything. Yeah. I mean, they probably brought him Vegemite up to the <laughs> cave, and that's probably like that. We gotta get the fuck out of here. I ain't oh Vegemite. Um, so then the the abductors are going to put everyone out in a barn, and the old lady doesn't like this idea because her husband's you know old and shit. Yeah. So the, the Father Christmas throws her to the ground. The the husband, oh, that's my wife, and then Father Christmas just straight up shoots him in the fucking gut. And like explodes, yeah. His body, yeah. Like blood there's some, everywhere. There's some good gore there. Yeah, that was a shock. I was a little shocked. I didn't expect. Yeah, we didn't have any reason yet to think that they were going to go so hard mm-hmm. on that gut shot. Which I mean, we should say the the, the uh, kidnappers they all have sawed off shotguns, mm-hmm. so they're packing like you know serious, yeah, serious weaponry. And, and there is a scene that makes me question. I think those were very very real. Um, shotguns because father christmas lets a shot off outside of the van Mm, and you actually see his arm kick (laughs) and he actually looks because like most of the time the blanks don't have as much kick Mm -hmm. um and you and actors usually have to react right to show that something has kick Mm -hmm. this dude's arm was just like when he (laughs) shot it his arm like inadvertently was like bam and I'm, so, I'm like these fucking guys have real shotguns it's Australia man Jesus, I mean, man. Hey, I, I wouldn't be surprised so when he's like shoving this gun in this kid's face it could be loaded <laughs> like oh god did you check that um and yeah, I remember the scene I saw this when I was pretty young like I saw it about when it came out so I was probably like 10 or 11 or something has to be pretty shocking yeah and this scene was it was like oh god you know um I hadn't been yet inundated with Graphic violence that was still freaks of nature, and they really sell it because as they're starting to force everyone outside, Norel was the closest to the old man, and she kind of like drops. She's, she, she's got like blood on her hands, and she's just like, oh, she's collecting the fish. That yeah. was she's, I thought she's that trying was to a grab the fish. Really interesting thing because they did have this elaborate fish tank yeah. that the kids really breaks. liked, uh-huh. and it breaks when old dude gets his gut blown out. And I did think that was an interesting thing, character wise, to mm-hmm. do for Norel that she's like trying to pick up the fish because yeah. it's the only thing she can do, right? That might make a difference, mm-hmm. but yeah, they usher all the everybody else out to the barn. The poor old lady's like, "My husband." <laughs> you hear an off-screen shot, and yeah. she's dead too. Yeah, um, and then they immediately uh, make a fire. Oh, you know, there's one more thing that happens while they're in the house, isn't it? Is it when they're in the house? What is it? Isn't that whenever they mention one of the names of the kidnappers? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, one of them is. calls him Jim or something. Father, yeah, Christmas he gets Jim. real pissed off, yeah. and he's like, "We said no names." Yeah. But uh, and we hear them when they lock them in the barn. We also hear the guys arguing outside because mm-hmm. they're talking about how they should start killing one every hour mm-hmm. until they get the ransom. And one of them is talking about how it's gone kind of sideways and they want to give it up. Yeah, and, don't you hear a gunshot too, yeah. right? Yeah. So you think they're fighting amongst themselves, perhaps? I did laugh in the barn though because they they're like, okay, we need to start a fire. So they they sweep up some straw in the middle of this <laughs> barn that's yeah. covered in straw, yeah. and they light it, and I'm like. This is not going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really bad idea. Yeah, there was a bit too much straw around We're there. locked in a straw barn. Let's just light a fire made out of straw. I'm uh, also pretty sure this is where like, Sally starts to break down finally more. Yeah. 
because she says every mistake, every action I made is a mistake, and you know, we've done the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And as she's blaming herself heavily already. She does end up saying later that the things they did brought them to brought death to the old couple. That it was their fault mm-hmm. that they were dead, and so she's already feeling, you know, but. They, that was like a good like tender moment too, where the kids try to console her, and they're like, "Oh, Miss, please, please don't cry." Yeah, because they often call her Miss throughout the film. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like their like respectful term for her. But they end up deciding like, "Fuck this!" Like we outnumber them, mm-hmm. especially now because there's only three. Yeah, and two leave to go on like a supply run, mm-hmm. so they just got the one guard at the barn. Yeah. So they decide they're going to come up with this plan that they're going to lure him in, mm-hmm. and then they're going to knock shit out of him. They start singing one of their damn songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of their Whoville songs. Yep, and he kind of kind of pokes in on them. He's like, "Wait, what's going on in here?" Yeah, and then <laughs> and then they. And it's the cat dude. Though. I kind of love this scene. Yeah. It's a good yeah. scene. I like it. And they do the whole like, "Oh, you're cold, right?" Yeah, Come it's cold outside. We got a fire. fire. Come down here, and join us. So was it Sally that conks him, or was it Sid? Well, first was... they do the weird thing where like this is one of the ones that's been like ogling Narell the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And so they have her come and like sit by him. Uh huh. And she's like, "Oh, your shotgun! Wow." <laughs> See. This Aren't you afraid a, of it going off? <laughs> I think this is an appropriate time because that character has already sexualized her. Mm-hmm. It just didn't need to happen. It's fine. Oh, I'm gonna let okay. go. I'm gonna right. let it go. Okay. I'm gonna let it go. Okay. Um, but who, which one of them ends up conking him? Sid. Sid. Yeah. yeah with a big log or something. Yeah. Knocks him upside the head. But when the dude goes down, shotgun goes off, <laughs> and nobody's really paying attention. They're all like, "Sally's like, oh, we got him or whatever," <laughs> and then it's like. Oh fuck! Tommy got hit. <laughs> yeah. Tommy got shot. Well, the first thing is one of them says Tommy's dead. Yeah. And I, at that moment, I was like, dude, if they seriously kill one of the kids, that's crazy. I think they should have. Probably. It, yeah. That's one of my complaints with the movie. I mean, it, it's still, especially for the time, it, it, it kind of pushes some boundaries. You know, you, I would you didn't agree usually with that. see kids in danger that much back then. Um. But yeah, I think I think one of them needed to die. It should. There was no reason for it to not be Tommy in that scene, right? Because. He really does nothing else for the rest of the film. Right. He, he gets sits there and bleeds. Yeah. <laughs> little baby. What are you going to do? Bleed on me. Um, and a really, for as good as the makeup job was and the special effects job was for the gut shot in mm-hmm. the house, they just tanked it with that scene. Yeah. Because it was very clearly like a really bad fake shoulder mm-hmm. that they just kind of put there. It's fine. Whatever. But I mean, you get the point. They blew their load on that dude's gut. I wish I hadn't <laughs> said that like that. Um uh, they, Ooh, they, did, yeah. they did use a shotgun. Yeah, so. okay. Oops. They literally blew his load. In <laughs> um, so yeah, they. But now they realize we got to do something. Cause, Get the hell out of here. So they don't they head back for the cave? Well, no, well, they no. St- they start running out into the to the countryside. She gathers the little kids and she tells Sid and Derek to run into the house and grab anything they can. That's oh, food, that's right. Supplies, yeah. anything that seems useful to them. Yeah. And those kids like become fucking rock stars with yeah. everything they grab. Yeah. <laughs> And I they do also love this scene. They, they find one of the um, abductors dead mm-hmm. outside too. That was the duck. That was a duck. That was Vernon Wells. Dabby. It's my his, favorite one. And it's like his he's like strung up on the fence or something. Yeah, and yeah, his and body then he's like falls apart from his head. Yeah. So that but she like points the kids the other way so they won't see it. Yeah. I actually rewound it there to make sure I didn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And I did not. I didn't miss anything. He was just dead. There we didn't really Well, I think it's implied they killed they him. They shot him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's, like, he's like, maybe they shot him like in the neck or something, and his head was about to fall. Because he's off. the one that's like saying we should stop. And yeah, up. 
But I just, like, I had to back it up. Like, did I miss somehow, like, them? Or did he get killed off screen? And then, yeah, but he did. <laughs> or is this suddenly some sort of supernatural horror film? There's scarecrows out there yeah. killing everyone. <laughs> I don't know. Is that your theory at the end, Jason, when we get there? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but no, the kids, the boys wrangle up everything that's useful in the house. Um, and now they have... They start heading out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they 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 get to the titular fortress. But along the way, we do have some like shenanigans in this forest where they they hear a sound, they think it's one of the the killers, and then what? Like a kid walks off and gets lost, and they got to go back and get the kid and bring. Yeah, the kid up there's and, some little misadventures, but nothing. Yeah, Ooh, more padding. Yeah, it didn't need to happen. It's kind of why I forgot it. But yes, then we get to the titular for- fortress. We yep. get to the titular fortress. Yep, and they realize that this is a pretty good, you know area here it's easily defensible up on the hill up on the hill yep what i do love is when they start getting out the boys start getting out the supplies <laughs> they're, they're like uh talking about how good of a job they've done at getting supplies and the kids keep pulling shit out he's like uh um well do we have a can opener and the kid's like a giant fucking machete he's yeah. like will this do yeah. <laughs> and it's like oh here's this hatchet too they have like all that was the most dangerous way to open a can yeah. if i've ever seen one well, you know you gotta open it somehow which as we all Not know like that <laughs> growing up as we all read gary paulson's the hatchet the hatchet's all you need to survive so <laughs> but she's like jam when i was watching her use that machete on the can i was like you go cut your hand open girl <laughs> this is not safe um, uh yeah so they they begin to start gearing up making preparations they go full first blood on it yep yep they're, they're well not quite at first though at first they're just kind of settling in right it's that next day where it really like escalates yeah where they decide they're gonna they're gonna stop them mm-hmm. start fighting back yeah um, it turns out that um, Derek is an excellent spear maker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we should say, like, the, the inciting event of that, though, is, like, the next day, Sally goes out to kind of, like, look and scout and see if the two remaining people are around. And she sees off in the distance in the trees right. Father oh, Christmas. Oh, yeah. And she kind of freaks out. She has, like, the shotgun that they got off the guy that they knocked out. And they shoot. And it's like, it just hits it and nothing happens. And you realize it's just the mask kind of placed over a tree. But she yeah. hit it from about 50 yards away with a sawed-off shotgun. And I <laughs> nice was like, shot. God damn! Yeah. <laughs> it's what shotguns are for, man. Um, and then one of them shouts up at her, kind of hidden in the forest below this hill. Yeah, they start taunting them. And say, they're going to come back in the evening. They're going to, you know, have their way with the, have their way with Norel, right? Because they bring that up again, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which causes her to freak out more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that, that's where Sally finally clicks, and she's like, there's nothing else we can do. We have to just go with them We have now. to kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go all first blood, and the kids... They're making punji sticks, putting them in the ditches, and making booby traps. Yeah, because I think they mentioned they learned some... Like, they had lessons about the indigenous Australia. It's Australia. Yeah. Everyone there knows how to, you know... Take well, care. and behind them in the classroom, they have, like, boomerangs and yeah. spears and shit all up on the wall. Yeah. Uh, so they make a spike pit, they make spears, they make little traps... All kinds of fun they stuff. They make that thing that uh, Rambo uses in First Blood that like swings down and it yeah. has like spikes on it and shit. Yeah. Very cool. And I do like the scene where Derek's showing the spear to Tommy and Tommy reaches, because he's putting in the fire to like harden it and stuff. And Tommy reaches up and gets like some of the suit off and just puts war paint yeah. know, onto his the face. Yeah. It basically turns into Return of the Jedi. I should say too, like, <laughs> all the kids become Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this scene, like Sid. 
he's like shirtless going around setting everything up and I'm like, dude, this kid is jacked as he is, yeah. He really <laughs> is. <laughs> like, he could kick all three of our asses oh, at the easily, same time. Easily. Like, I was like, what the hell is this kid, man? <laughs> but that's not uncommon though because like, I don't know where you grew up. Did you grow up around farming families? Not extensively, I guess. So like my family was a farming family. I didn't farm, but like, the rest of my family did. And Michael those, spent a lot of time around shirtless young men. Yeah, I did, and I was, and it led to a lot of my body issues now that I have never <laughs> ever looked like that. Probably because I never did a hard day of work in my life. Right. Yeah. Um, but that is how farm kids looked. Mm. So I, I bought that easily. Yeah. That, that kids like used. You're to, working out in the field all day. You're gonna. Yeah. You're gonna yeah. That you get ripped. Uh, yeah, but that that's all. Those scenes with him are really funny. Because he's out there like, yeah, I'm going to fucking kill these guys. <laughs> like, they're getting amped up now. They're like, yeah. Now, there's a weird cut at this point where it really threw me off. When I had to go back and like watch again. So after they've made all their prep, there's a scene with Narelle and Sally. And she's like, you know, as you were saying, Jason, freaking out. And she goes to Sally to kind of talk about this. And she's like, well, I'm afraid of what, they're, what they say they're going to do to me. Da, da, da. And Sally kind of comforts her. She also has the curse. Oh, yeah. Got to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. I did. I did think that scene was sweet. Yeah, I like no, that totally. scene. Totally. Yeah. Because she's basically saying that I don't know what to do. Right. But here's what happens. That happens. It immediately cuts inside the cave, and they're like, "Where's Norell?" And everyone's like, "I don't know. She's gone." Yeah. Yeah. She did disappear quickly. It's like and they I just wasn't poof, paying attention to that, and just like jumped right to that. And I'm sure like more time has passed, but man, it was just such a hard cut. It's really hard for me though. And now you're arguing to get to the action too quickly. Make up your mind, Dustin. Well, this is the part with the fortress is the part I wanted. <laughs> it does it does throw me off because when I hear an Australian or New Zealand accent and she said she has the curse, I just immediately thought she like Zingaya. <laughs> like been, I have Zimbite. Zimbite. <laughs> I thought that that's what she was talking about. I don't think so. And yeah. It didn't turn out There's that no way. There's no Sumatran rat monkeys in this. <laughs> it did not turn out that way. But so, so Sally goes out to look for Narelle. Mm-hmm. Um, Narelle has fallen, apparently, and like yeah, She's like crossing a stream when she hurts her foot. God damn it, Narelle. Where is this scene? Because this is like the scene that would matter, and then we don't, we don't have it. It just like happened. Yeah. But she comes across one of the guys out there mm-hmm. who's it's maskless now. Not Father Christmas. So yeah, the other be, dude. The, uh, the cat. mouse. No, no, the cat's mouse. dead. He burned up in the barn. Is this the curly-headed guy? Yeah. Okay, because the other one is uh, Anakin Skywalker guy. He has the little uh, rat tail, the Anakin Skywalker <laughs> yeah. rat tail. Oh, he's, he's a Padawan. Yeah, so he's a Padawan. He didn't have the full braid, but he had the little rat tail. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's looking for Narelle. He's, like, taunting her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sally kind of runs in to save her. He starts chasing Sally. Mm-hmm. They run the booby him. trap goes off, but he dodges it. Mm-hmm. I do like his look of surprise. Like, he's like, holy shit! What <laughs> 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 the hell? Um, and it's a cool thing because she gets back up to the cave and then the kids do their rock trap. The little kids, yeah. too. They yeah. get a pole and they start prying those boulders off. With as loose as the action is in this movie, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't tell that dude that trap was there and it went <laughs> off and his reaction was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit, these kids. <laughs> yeah, good thing you hit the mark we gave you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to duck right here. Don't worry about why. It's fine. Just don't miss um, it. But I like this scene because she like clings to like a rock that's there. Yeah, and, and the boulders like, are falling over her. And it seems really fucking dangerous because she is like really pushed up in there as tight mm-hmm. as she can be and the rocks are just slamming down everywhere yeah which does end up hitting a dude and uh but doesn't finish him yeah it does not finish him um and 
so Sally ends up getting pulled over mm-hmm. by this dude. Like he comes back for her and she ends up, they, she goes down and mm-hmm. you think she pulls a total like uh, Indiana Jones moment, like yeah. she's off the cliff. Uh, but she lands on top of the dude on top of their spike pit. Yeah. So like dude's impaled and she's like, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Got yeah. him, not me. She's like, Sid, come give me help. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, you saw that coming, but it was it was still a good kill. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's great. It's, it's even better when uh, his buddy finds him. Yeah. yeah. It gets closer to the evening. Father Christmas comes back. They kind of retreat into the cave and mm-hmm. set up their next line of, like, traps. Yeah. Uh, and Father Christmas dude comes out, sees the dead guy, freaks out. And I and love it, too, because it's like he's on there, and then as Father Christmas is watching, he starts sinking down on yeah, the spears. Yeah, his body starts sinking in the... Yeah. That was, was a good visual. That was great, yeah. Yeah. And he's super pissed off, right? So he just runs into the cave after them. He's going to kill all the kids and stuff. But they've got a little tripwire there. And he trips on, falls, falls in the fire. And then all of the everyone just starts descending on this guy and beating him to death. And we get like a montage kind of... They don't show so much of it as what they show the kids. Like all the kids are stabbing Yeah, the little girl's got a like, big rock. She's bringing it down on the dude. You see the st- kids with the weapons and you hear the impact, but you don't see too much of what You see some blood spreading yeah. up on his face. I Most importantly, they just show his face and the look of horror yeah. on his face. of Like all these <laughs> children just destroying him. And that kind of ends that scene. And the next scene we have is Sally sitting outside of the schoolhouse, reading them a book. Beowulf. Yeah. Yeah. We should say I thought it was Beowulf. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a significant. Because we're talking about the trophy from Grendel's arm, I think it was. Yeah. Kept as a trophy. And so now we have two um, law enforcement guys show up. I do want to point out that all the kids are behaving themselves and and wrapped with inattention. Yeah. In contrast to the opening. mm Mm-hmm. They, uh, the police show up and they're like, you know, we need to, we found the final body. Yeah. They're like coroner report came back. And, and so we need to talk to you about it. And she's like, nothing you can't say here in front of them. Yeah. And the <laughs> cops are like, uh, I really wish there was a place we could go. <laughs> kind of don't want to. <laughs> um, they end up saying, you know, about, there were some things that were inconsistent about her, their story. Mutilations that an animal wouldn't have been able to do. <laughs> right. And, and I like it cause they, they get her to go off into the school. Yeah. But then as they're talking to her slowly, like all the kids just silently filter into the room yeah, and like semi-circle around, around them. them. Yeah. yeah. And they end up basically telling her, like, we know what you did. Mm-hmm. And She's like, so what? <laughs> yeah. Well, she asked them, do you have any hard evidence? Well, and this scene really bothered me. It bothered me too. Because I'm like, if you told them that you got abducted, who gives a fuck? If yeah. you mutilated these guys. Especially like, with like the rampage they went on is like the shooting people and stuff. Like I agree. Um, I didn't understand why it was such a... There, I think there were better ways to do that. Maybe the book does it differently. Um, but I feel like there's better ways to convey... Or, like, I mean, also we didn't see... Maybe they did a lot more to the body. Maybe we should have seen more I think they insinuate that. You know. That they do based on the final shot of the film. I think you yeah. do... I think they do insinuate that there's more. But also, why the fuck do you care? Like... Well, here, I've got a fun note for this. Okay. Um, Should we wrap it up? We're almost done with the... Well, yeah, let's finish the plot, yeah. and then I'll, I'll hit this note. Yeah, so the dudes are looking around. They're like, okay, this is a little creepy. We're just going to let this... Okay, fine. We'll let this rest. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Whatever. Let's get out of here. And now the kids are sitting down nice and orderly. Everyone's getting along, and she says that you know, everyone... Was you like get early marks. Star people. Yeah, early marks. Everyone yeah. gets to leave. Mm-hmm. And she's going to leave and turns around and there's like 
they have jars on the counter with like preserved animals. Yeah, it's and like for their like science that. projects and yeah. stuff. And it zooms in on a heart. Human looking heart. <laughs> was funny. I guess it's a heart. Well, that was it's funny. A heart. <laughs> I, Piper was like, What is that? And I was like, That's a heart. You're a doctor. She's like, That's not a fucking heart, dude. I've seen one. I've held one. That's not a heart. <laughs> okay. It is supposed to be a heart. <laughs> it kind of looks like a heart. Yeah. It looked like a piece of chicken breast. I thought it was cotton candy at first. It should be the dude's genitals floating in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's really going <laughs> to. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. So here, here's a little fun thing. Um, Apparently, in the Hungarian VHS release, there's an alternate take of this final part. Mm-hmm. So, in, in this version, the policemen are questioning Sally, and the children come in, but they've got their spears, Ooh. and they kind of threaten the policemen. And then that's what makes them, like, step off and be like, ooh. So, that's kind of, yeah. And then... I'm, um, glad that, I'm glad that wasn't in the uh, cut we saw. And then, as this is going on, there's a flashback that plays, and the flashback actually shows Sally and the kids butchering Father Christmas and taking out his heart. Yeah, we could have used that. That would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- yeah, maybe, but I don't think it's needed. I think the spear thing was a good choice to leave out because that's a yeah. little too hard. Threatening, and also, threatening them would be fucking a... Hungarians, man. Like, <laughs> if their target audience is like, show the kids trying to skewer them. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 but I didn't have problems with this for what you were saying, Michael, that like, given the situation and what went on, it, it shouldn't matter that they killed their captors. Like I was sitting there, even like Piper was watching it with me, and they're questioning her, like hard questioning yeah, her. Yeah, they say something about to wantonly mutilate a body, you know. And I, and I, and I literally sat there and I was like, "What the fuck does it matter?" <laughs> like they were talking about raping the children. Yeah, I'm sorry. Why do we have sympathy for the guys that were torturing and trying to hurt children? Like why? Why are we sympathizing with the right. fact that they because decided they're bleeding to, heart liberals. <laughs> <laughs> They're a bunch of left wing. Oh, God damn it, Jason! Cucks. But I mean, it's like we know that they had learned by that time they they can't run. It's either they have to die or this dude has to die. That's like all there is. Left. Now I see what the, like it's very obvious what they're doing and what they're doing with the story is that the trauma of what these things mm-hmm. will do to you and and yeah. and could cut co- and could make you do that you didn't realize you were capable of. Mm-hmm. And oh, but there is an interesting scene that we glossed over is that Tommy. Pops up at the window with the Father Christmas mask oh, yeah, on, yeah. and everybody, you're like, "Oh fuck!" And <laughs> and then, but Tommy like pulls the mask off, and everybody's laughing. Yeah. And Sally's like, "Oh, Tommy, you yeah. little devil," kind of a thing. Yeah. And we should say when when they're reading Beowulf, and she mentions the trophy, one of the little girls is like, "Oh, we have a trophy." Yeah, I do like that line. So they are telling that this event has changed them or whatnot. Ooh, I yeah. don't particularly think it's change them that much you know like i don't know i mean taking somebody's heart and putting in a jar I probably get the, I, get, it, I get the but... sense that they're like a tribe now yeah because yeah. they're all very unified and they're all mannerly and, and i think that's where the lord of the treating flies... each other with respect you know <laughs> well, that ain't no tribe that's for sure <laughs> if we've learned anything tribes are like no fuck you get out of here <laughs> um i think that's where the lord of the flies angle comes in i just don't think there's like enough of that well, I mean, with all of the flies, though, they were like fighting each other a lot. Mm-hmm. They weren't really unified, as opposed to what these these kids all unified against their oppressors. They were all together by the end. Well, and it and it is a thing of shared trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like you come together through shared trauma and find common ground with people that you didn't think that you would have right. mm-hmm. due to shared trauma. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I don't necessarily think it was needed, though, to go as far as to. 
I, just, I don't know. I don't think that story, I don't think you needed to have that at the end. Mm-hmm. It was almost like an M. Night Shyamalan thing of like, oh, what a twist. The kids are serial killers now kind of a thing. They're not. I like but it. I like it a lot. It's, well, you liked Brimstone, so. Oh, my God. I was hoping, you know, one, one thing it made me think of was. Um, Jason, so he's actually sitting over here like itching. Uh, thinking thinking about the kids and like what they went through and having to kill this guy it made me think about Friday the 13th and the whole like Tommy Jarvis storyline right uh-huh. where he's a kid and he kills Jason uh-huh. die yeah. die <laughs> die uh-huh. so it made me think about that and I was like you know where, where's the sequel where it's like one of them maybe one of them's gonna become Father Christmas next yeah I mean I'd watch that it's actually the sequel is uh, Silent Night Deadly Night <laughs> <laughs> Garbage Day <laughs> As much as I ripped on this movie, though, like of the things that I ripped apart, I didn't think it was bad. Oh no. Okay. Well, what's your what's your final thoughts? What do you think well, about it? Do you have any more fun facts? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> I do. Nope. <laughs> Casting for Sally was like a whole big. Oh to-do. yeah, I did read about that. Um, so HBO had agreed that they were going to put up half of the film's budget if the role was played by a well-known actress that they approved of, and so at the time, Actors Equity, which was an actors' union in Australia. They were known for being like a big challenge and blocking a lot of film productions if they tried to bring in foreign actors for the leads instead of Australians, which makes sense. Protect your own interests there. They refused to allow the production to proceed um, because HBO's original choice for the role was Bess Armstrong. Who was in Jaws 3D. Yes. (laughs) Good to know. Um, And so they're kind of going back and forth. They couldn't, you know, reach the same page on this. And so then they finally settled it. They said they were going to cast Sigrid Thornton. But then Thornton dropped out two months prior to when they were going to shoot because she was pregnant. Hmm. And so that was going to mess up shooting. Mm -hmm. And then they just stopped pre-production completely because Equity refused this ultimatum to say, well, since that didn't work, let's go back to Armstrong. (laughs) So that grounded out to a halt. How much money that wasted. Finally, 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 it went back into pre-production three months later. When they all kind of were like, Rachel Ward, yeah, okay, Rachel Ward, let's do that. Um, so they actually supported her casting. She's technically English by birth, and she had mostly appeared in American films up to this point, but she had just recently migrated to Australia with her husband. Oh, okay. So. She did one a horror film before this, The Final Terror. I never watched it. The Final Wasn't she also in Night School? Yes. Yeah, I like that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, so I guess we can final yeah, let's talk about it. Michael, why don't you go first? So, of the obvious things that I took issue with, there is a lot of padding mm-hmm. in here oh, that yeah. I felt could... But it's a it's a, a lean movie anyway. Mm-hmm. It's only an hour and a half. Yeah. So, I feel like if you cut that padding, you're looking at like an hour movie tops. I think I would have cut those and had other scenes. To fill yeah. spots. It would be interesting to know what else was in the source material. Like, mm-hmm. what else was in the book? Little nuanced things that maybe didn't yeah. make it. Um, I'm probably not going to read it, so I'm not, you know. <laughs> uh, so that would be interesting to know what else could have been mm-hmm. added. I think, overall, though, it does have some shocking moments. It gives a, a creepy-ass vibe. Oh, yeah. I think it's... Um, I think if the score were a little better... You could have really sold that creepy aspect of it. Yeah. You know but, what's crazy is the best cut is in the credits. When it like really goes hard with the synths and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I was like, where was this in the film at any point? That would have been awesome. Yeah. It did seem like there was some interference. Like 
a lot of people had some hands in it and said like okay maybe we should do this or you should do this and not this which kind of makes it feel like there's it's not always one vision right um so i do yeah i liked the tone Mm. of the movie a lot and i think it's definitely worth watching i'm not sure that i'd it's something that i'd revisit much Mm. if any sure um i've seen it Happy I've seen it, but I think I'll settle at a solid three, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a bad rating at all. No, three, three isn't a bad rating. That's above average. So I enjoyed watching it, and I think the times when the film goes for it, it fucking goes for it. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah. Which right. I really like. Um, like that shotgun kill with the old man. Yeah, that's great. You could run that up against a lot of stuff, and it would hold up. Yeah, oh, yeah. that was that one was good. That was really. You don't good. really expect it because no. everything's been pretty tame more or less until mm-hmm. that moment, and then. <laughs> so I, I think what. I've had a chance to sit on my thoughts about the sexualization of Norell. Mm-hmm. I think what bothers me is that the film went out of its way to cover up much of the sexualization of Sally. Like, I, I think well, it, she is groped at one point. And stuff she, like that. she is, but like as far as the scenes where she's undressing, mm-hmm. the film really went out of the way to make that mundane. Could and that have been a contractual thing? Maybe. I wonder. Perhaps, but it just didn't feel like in an 80s film where there's typically some sort of like boobs and butt kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were using Norell for that, and I didn't feel like that was fair. Well, and we should also note that there was no explicit nudity or anything. Right. In this no, movie, no, no. You know? Right. So it was it's almost, all pretty, really suggested. It really is. You know, I don't know. They're just, that scene just did okay. not sit well with me That's for some enough. reason. And it wasn't that the actress was too young. Right. Like she was of age. Yeah. To do that scene. It's not a Brooke Shield situation. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I have trouble. Um, I take issue in some of the, the YA stuff with mm-hmm. this. About like, yes, the actors are of that age. But I really don't like it when they're portraying children. And the children are doing very suggestive things. Like, um, one of my issues in Sabrina is like when Kiernan Shipka shows up in lingerie. And I'm like. The kids do that. I know. But it's like, make them adults. I don't like the fact that we're watching a so-called 16-year-old character do that. I know that's probably pretty, like, that's probably a, a hot take for some people. But for me, it's just kind of like, uh, maybe just leave the sexual, like, the hardcore sexualization to mm. adults. And you don't necessarily need to, I don't know, give that to a 16-year-old character. I know it happens. <laughs> it wasn't cool enough to happen to me i can oh, tell you that much you were doing it wrong <laughs> exactly and all no, these... no, I, I get where you're coming from and i, I think it's a valid opinion to sure have. yeah yeah probably it's a valid opinion it's my uh, prudish opinion of it probably. <laughs> hey, it's yours and you own it man and so yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll respect it and i'll fight for it uh, my opinion on that uh, uh, that kind of things has changed since i've had children mm-hmm I, I do can, find I that, it is, that would change i do think that it has changed i've become much more of a protective person of like children innocence so this movie is interesting for me to watch because mm-hmm. it's like no oh, i'm intentionally picking as much child and danger <laughs> <as laughs> okay okay so here, here's what i wanted to get to I, I told you guys when we showed up tonight to record i had a theory uh-huh. so let me string this for you okay five thousand fingers of dr t uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh the children mm-hmm. and then uh this movie fortress don't forget um other other one reflecting skin mm-hmm. so jason what what I've noticed a trend with your picks. Like what? No, I do you, don't think do you, so. Think about it, Michael. Think about it. I mean, he's slowly ramping it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I probably would have put the children uh, higher as After far as one, like yeah. the amount of kids that get killed. 
It's not intentional, I promise you. <laughs> What's with all these kid movies, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's become uh, intervention exposure. <laughs> are you talking to Jason about why you want to see all these kids get killed in movies? I don't know. It was in no the mid- children get killed in this. It was in the middle of this film while I was getting annoyed with the uh, swimming under the rock scene and how drawn out it was. I was like, man, this fucking movie with these fucking kids. Every time, Jason, I was like, Every time. <laughs> every time. Now Dustin, not every time. Now not Dustin every has time. strings on his wall with all of your picks, and it's like... <laughs> I'm going to try to predict the next one. Okay, so my thoughts. Okay. I ragged on this film a lot, but it does have a lot that's good about it, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it's what you said, Michael, when it's working, it is like all cylinders, five-star, top-tier material, everything is hitting right, great atmosphere, great mood, good shots the way they're framed... Really cool action, special effects and stuff. Uh, when it's bad, it's like, ooh, we're really bad, though. Terribly cheesy music, really like drawn-out padded moments that you're just like, why, why are we watching this now at this point? You, we understand what's going on. Come on. Um, I like a lot of the ideas of it. I wish there was more of the fortress part. I don't know how you would slice that and make it. It would probably have to just be a totally different movie, I think, to mm-hmm. even make that work, but... Mm-hmm. We need to have like multiple assaults on the fortress, yeah, and like they like have that. to fall back. <laughs> They're too fortified. Fall back. I, I will agree. I, w- I wish there was more, um, more of them were still alive when they were when they were assaulting yeah. the fortress. There could have been more cool kills and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but so that said, in the scope of everything, and especially if I run this up against your other children movies that we've watched <laughs> over the course of the show so far. I'm pretty solid at like a three on this one. Okay. I think it's good. I think it's got a lot going for it. If you like Kids in Peril or I can't say child death because there is no child Mm -hmm. death, but it almost skirts that line and quite almost gets there if that's your thing. Even fucking uh, Tommy makes it out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. everyone survives. After taking a shotgun blast to the arm. Um, It's fun. And if you like weird made for TV movies, I think this is perfectly a weird made for TV movie that you you watch it and you're like, huh, I don't think this could happen now if someone tried to make this. Oh, God, no. I would love to see a remake of this, though. Yeah. That fixes the issues that we've had. No, you wouldn't, because in in current Hollywood, the remake of this would be like. Oh, I didn't say Hollywood should do it. <laughs> no, the only way it's going to be picked up and anybody's going to sell it is this turns YA. Oh, fuck all that. And no. you know it. You know I'm well, right. I know that, but I mean, then you get some indie director. Will you fix your fucking pop filter? I don't. I don't know what's going on um, with this thing, man. The, more, the angrier Jason gets, the more his pop filter just goes. <laughs> I'm not angry. So yeah, um, solid three on it. I liked it. I didn't cool. love it. All I right. do think it's worth seeking out. Okay, sweet. That's not, that's not bad. I expect it way worse. Yeah, yeah. No, we're just mostly just giving you shit. Yeah, we just have to teach you a little bit. <laughs> I know. Uh, what are your final thoughts, Jason? Um, I still like it. I hadn't seen this since, oh God, I don't know, probably a young teenager. I but feel like he's also said that about every one of the kids' movies that he's brought to us. <laughs> just about. Um, but it did affect me then because it was one of the more uh, edgy. I wouldn't type let it. I, I wouldn't let someone your age when you watch this. I don't think I would let them. Luckily, watch this my movie. parents were pretty permissible back then, <laughs> especially with like the insinuations of like rape and. Well, I yeah. mean, violence was fine. If there was actual nudity, no, you got to you got to close your eyes. Don't mm-hmm. watch. No titties. But violence, well, that's cool. It's all right. It's fine. It can because this a, is America, damn it. Like it can be violence against the titties. Oh my god! <laughs> but if it's just like just them there, no, you can't watch those. <laughs> but if something happens to one of them, I guess it's okay. All right. Um, but uh, I, I remember <laughs> seeing this back in the day, and it left an impression on me. It kind of, especially the ending, it weirded me out. I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty extreme. 
So it kind of paved the way for me to get into movies more like, you know, The Hills Have Eyes mm-hmm. and more of those survival fighting back movies. You were looking for your tribe in high school and never yeah. could find it. <laughs> there was, they weren't there. Because I know who you hung out with in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good thing we were never abducted. We would all died. Um, <laughs> no, they'd have given your asses back. I can tell you that. <laughs> but I like. I, I, I'm a sucker for this type of film. I like the whole thing where you know they have to fight back against their aggressors and find their savage side and all that. And, and it made me think of this quote that never left me that Sam Raimi uh, said one time. It was during. I had to look it up because I could not remember where it came from. But it was this limited MTV series back in the day called This Is Horror. And he was doing an interview for it. And uh, he said, there, there are three laws of horror. He said, the innocent must suffer. The guilty must be punished. The hero must taste blood to be a man. Whoa. And this movie just clicked, made me think of that quote that I hadn't thought about in ages. Man, I wouldn't say there's certain people I wouldn't say that to right now <laughs> in our society. Uh oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and this, you know, this movie encapsulate that quote pretty well. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I think it's still it. It's hard to hold up to that memory when you see it. You mm-hmm. know, when you're a kid and everything like that. But I still think it's a pretty solid flick. I still dig it. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. There are issues with padding, and the music's a little cheesy and. You know, I could have used some more gore. Mm-hmm. I do think one of the kids should have bought it just to up the stakes. Tommy, you it would have been so easy to let it be Tommy, and that and that and that's when the switch turns, and they're like, "Oh, we've got to fight yeah. back, or we're gonna die." Um, but I, I give it yeah, three and a half stars. Uh, he oh, had so to go a half over. So we're kind of all in the ballpark on yeah, this one, yeah, yeah. It's not a classic, but I mean, as far as made for TV movies go, I mean, you could do a lot worse. I think it's uh, I think it's worth looking at if you like survivalist type. You know, suspense thrillers. You'll like it. And we should point out, this is actually very accessible. Yeah, it's streaming on YouTube. It's actually pretty good. I was impressed with the quality. Yeah, it's DVD quality on YouTube. It, and when we established, right, there is no Blu-ray, but there is a DVD out there. You can there is DVD. Yeah, yeah. I will say it looks better on a smaller screen. Well, sure. Of course. Um, it actually, I was watching part of it on my laptop. Yeah, I think it was like 480p or something. And it like looked that. pretty damn good on my laptop. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this isn't bad. But then moved it to my actual like TV TV. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get pixelation. And I was and like, oh, I just want to go back to my laptop now. <laughs> Great. So yeah, that is my All made right. for TV movie pick. Nice three star range film. Mm-hmm. Dustin. Well, as we've left the topic of kids, allow me to now bring us to a topic that I always bring, which is Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but not Japanese kids. No. Okay. Well. There's a kid in this. Oh. All right. So um, I'm going to move us forward more, right? So we were in the 80s. We're going to go to right at the start of the 2000s now. Okay. And Big J-Horror boom. We've jumped some things. All right, we were in America. We went to Australia. So now let's go to Japan. So we've hit three different countries. World tour. We've done three different time periods. Uh, here, let me give you another through line. This is another film that's going to be based on a novel. What? So that's also a triple connection we've got. Uh, and this one also is in that sort of like thriller. That edge is a little more into horror, I think. Um, director that we've mentioned before that I've wanted to go back around to actually talk about, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. We mentioned him in the ah, occult episode because yeah. he had a role in that film. I do like Kurosawa. Um, so we are going to check out a made-for-TV movie that he made uh, from 2000 called Seance. And this is based on a 1961 novel, Seance on a Wet Afternoon by Mark McShane which was also in 64 made into a movie. What was that movie? 
I think it was called Seance on a Wet Afternoon. Huh. Haven't heard of that. Um, it's because it was a it was a British weird film. title, yeah. and no one's like you. You read that title, and you're like, "Seance on a wet <laughs> afternoon." Yeah, no, it was a British film directed by Brian Forbes. Okay, so this is another like two film situation too. Uh, I don't want to set up too much about it. We'll just let it be a surprise when we get there. I will say this is kind of like Fortress, another hard one to track down. I don't think it's actively streaming on any kind of service mm. where it's a made-for-TV movie like this. It's sort of fallen through the cracks. But that's, again, why sometimes we need to cover these kind of things so people know about it, can be saying, hey, I want to see this, so that hopefully one day someone will pick it up and give it a nice restoration and put it out there for everyone to see. Yeah. So how are we going to watch it? It's out there if you know where to look. Okay. All right. I'll leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) Sounds a little... He went very X-Files on us. It's out there. It's out out there. there. You just have to know where to look. It's been really fun talking about this one. It's been fun ripping on Jason. We love you, Jason. It's <laughs> yeah. all in good fun. Oh, I know, I know. I know. If he could take it, I mean, I I subsist on your <laughs> hatred, and <laughs> I can feel your hatred. <laughs> He's Emperor Palpatine over here. Um, no, as always, we love hearing from you guys. So please continue to tweet, um, write. I think tweets the thing that everybody likes to do for us right now. Whatever you prefer. Yeah, we're happy with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's been a blast. Uh, check out the um, some other stuff that we've got in the back catalog. If it's still going on, probably the Quick Cuts episode, our most recent one. Yes, about Dookie Flyswatter. And go check out that project. Give it a look. Share it around. Help them get their steam going. Let other people know about it. It should still be live by the yeah, time I think it's running until about the start of June. So it'll be going for a little bit. I never know when these come out because mm-hmm. we record them when we can mm-hmm. so i always get confused when i'm like check this out you should check this out i think this one will drop before it's finished i think so um and by now our website should be up and running yes it is um Ooh. so definitely hop on there i think that we'll probably have... write something <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably have a couple articles on there and you can if you like what we do uh just a continuation in a slightly different format mm-hmm. so check that out and until next time you guys have been listening to genre exposure bye everyone take care you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.